I feel like I could like I feel like I could like win the Olympics now. You know, it's like run the race. Awesome. Thank you so much. I just wanted to say hey and thank you so much for allowing us to come and be a part of your service. We really have been looking forward to this. We've known Pastor Ben and his family for years and it's just a blessing to come and just sense what God's doing here. I felt like I needed to share just a little something as we were singing the one song about take the cup from your hand. That is kind of a new song for us. We've just heard it just a couple times. And God so breaks me. And today, the thing that he was speaking to me is I just saw how Jesus sat at the Last Supper and how his disciple that he loved, he refers to himself, the disciple that Jesus loved, laid his head on his chest and I thought, how many of us want to be the one that Jesus says, this is the disciple that I love. And, but as we take his cup, that cup that he was drinking from was the cup that he drank that he was stepping into self-sacrifice, where he was going to lay down his life for God's purpose. And as we're singing that, I'm thinking, if we want to drink from that cup, then we have to take that step of laying down our life for our self-sacrifice of what we want to do for what he wants us to do. And then, but the next step of laying our head on his chest and, and actually hearing his heartbeat, if we have laid down our life and we've drinking from that cup of self-sacrifice, then we can hear his heartbeat. And what is his heartbeat? His heartbeat is soul's. And it's like for whatever he's called you to do, his heartbeat is souls. For us, he's called us to do something unusual. Each one of you, he's called you to do something unusual in your world. So don't be afraid. I just want to encourage you, don't be afraid to drink from the cup. Don't be afraid to rest on his chest and to hear his heartbeat because he will, as you listen, he'll have that heartbeat and it will become your heartbeat and as it becomes your heartbeat he will give you the eyes to see how he wants you to use that so thank you just so much for allowing us to come and be a part and you have a great family here you guys have just befriended us and we so appreciate it thank you amen amen she can preach she does to me all the time mm-hmm Someone said behind every successful man is a woman rolling her eyes, and uh, I have that. It's good to be here. Pastor Ben, man, I remember you when you were still crawling on your hands and knees, you know. It's, that was a long time ago, my brother, a long time ago. I've kno we've known this family for years, and it just excites us to see Pastor Ben uh, doing the work of the kingdom, God using him in such a powerful way. And seeing how he's speaking into your lives and seeing God work in your lives. It's just wonderful. We are just thrilled to be here today. I'd like, I just have one question, Pastor. What is all of that white stuff piled at the end of the driveway? It, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's cold stuff. I'm from Florida, so I'm not, uh, you know, we pastored in the Michigan area for 20 years, and we resigned our church. We moved to Florida, and I left all that snow behind, and, and this is still a little cold, I know that you're you're getting some some mild weather right now. We brought that to you, okay? We brought that to you, but it is good to be here today. We have two of our dear friends with us that are 
here as well, and it's Bill and Erlene Valor. They're right here down front. Wave your hand, you guys. There you go. They are the head of our medical side of our entire ministry. The medical, I mean, it wouldn't happen if these folks weren't doing the, the work that they do. Sacrificially, they give and give and give. And last year, in four and a half days of ministry, I think we were able to see 2,300 people and uh, 2,300 or 2,400 people with our team and examine them and treat them and medicate those that needed it. And we saw 1,640 people come to Christ. Can you say amen? That is what it's all about. Seeing people's lives changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sure, you can touch people in their physical needs, but yet someday they're going to die. Someday they're going to die. So what happens then? That's where we need to touch them spiritually. We need to speak the word into their lives, see them come to Christ so that when that day comes, and sometimes it comes at a very young age for the people in the Dominican Republic, we know that we'll see them again in heaven. Can you say amen? That's what it's all about. Well, Debbie and I left our church about eight and a half years ago. We founded Hope International Ministries, and through a, a, a series of events, we found ourselves in the Dominican Republic doing medical uh, clinics in the villages, doing pastor seminars, as well as preaching and, and sharing the love of Jesus with the people of the Dominican Republic. And we have just about a four-minute DVD, and we want to show you what God's been doing. We're going to take you right there, and you're going to see everything that takes place in the midst of our clinics. So, my brother, if you'll dim the lights and go ahead and uh, let it roll. For three years now, Hope International has been bringing medical teams and surgical teams to the Dominican Republic. Some of you guys, you just try to choke it back. We're here in the Rio San Juan Hospital. It's a public hospital in the Dominican Republic. It's, the conditions are really poor. Their, their electrical system has failed. Their uh, backup generator has failed. But we move on. Yes, we do. Bringing health care to the people of the Dominican Republic 
it's good, but it does, it's not complete. You have to have the spiritual aspect. We need to be able to touch the spirit man of every person that we come in contact with. This year, I think that spoke the most to me was the pastors' conference. If you want to see miracles in the Dominican Republic, then we have to get back to the place where we believe in this word. And that Friday night, and then five sessions on Saturday. pastors are telling me how this conference has so greatly encouraged them, has, has impacted them so powerfully, and they're looking forward to having Hope International join us back here again next year. Because of our work here in the Dominican Republic, God has given us tremendous favor, uncommon favor, with the president of this country, Presidente Leonel Fernandez. He has given us, as a result of our work here for the last three years, he has given us a 320-acre piece of property that's located on the North Shore with a half a mile frontage on the Atlantic Ocean. It's incredible, it's beautiful. It's valued at over $60 million. And here we are going to build a beautiful medical complex and a ministry complex. We've been seeing thousands of people come to Christ in the last three years. Here at First Assembly, we're upholding them not only in prayer, but in giving. And we believe that this is one of the greatest investments that we've ever had the privilege of making. So we are grateful for what God is doing, and we are grateful that you are joining hands together with us to bring help, hope, and healing to hurting humanity in the Dominican Republic. Thank you very much. We are excited about what God is doing in the Dominican Republic, and as you can tell, that DVD is about two years old now, and uh, God's been doing some incredible things. Still, we have uncommon favor with the country and the president. In fact, we have three of the the cabinet members of the president's cabinet members that are now saved have come to Christ under our ministry and are now sitting on our board of directors for our foundation in the Dominican Republic. So we are really grateful for the inroads that God has given us to the leaders of the country, the most affluent, the most powerful people of the country, as well as being able to speak into the pastor's lives now through our pastor's conferences and the favor that God has given us with the villagers in the villages God has given us a, an incredible opportunity, really, to reach this entire nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that with us? It's just phenomenal what God is doing. So we covet your prayers. Uh, we are actually doing another um, medical trip this June, June 22nd through the 30th of this year. 
we invite any of you that would be interested in going to join us and see us after the service. We can give you the paperwork that you need to fill out to be a part of that endeavor this June. Now, some of you may be thinking, I'm not medical, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a surgeon, I'm not a nurse. That's okay. If you're breathing, we can use your help. Seriously, it takes about two-thirds of the group that are non-medical to facilitate the one-third of medical personnel to make the entire medical endeavor successful. So you are desperately needed. We need people that are intercessors. We need people that are, uh, are skilled in evangelism. We need children's ministries, pastor, former children's pastor. <laughs> We can use everyone, so please see us after the service, and we'd be glad to give you all the information that's necessary. On your, on your uh, seat, you uh, see a card there, and really that card is a contact card for us to stay in touch with you. So if you have any questions about Hope International or you want to be kept up to date on what's happening with Hope International on a monthly basis, please fill out that card legibly. Make sure you give us your email address legibly so that we can, we can put it into our database and we'll keep in contact with you, let you know what's happening. We won't send you letters or emails begging you for money, okay? You have my promise on that. We believe that God has raised up this ministry as a ministry of faith, and we go on faith. We believe God to meet our needs without begging or pleading. So uh, we know that uh, you understand that very well. Also, on, on the, uh, the blue card, there's a place that says, I can arrange a meeting with so-and-so corporation. Perhaps you're in a key position in corporate America where you could arrange a meeting for us with the president, the CEO, the chairman of the board, or board of directors, where I could go in and present Hope International as the humanitarian work that it is, and we can secure monies that would never otherwise see the missions field of the world. There are billions of dollars out there, friends, that are in corporate America earmarked for humanitarian needs and for helping people. They won't give it to religious organizations, but they'll give it to our organization because of our humanitarian work in the Dominican Republic. And you may think, well, our co company wouldn't do that. Well, listen, talk to your company leaders, let them know what we're doing and see what they say. We're just asking that you open the door and we'll believe God to take us through it and make that meeting successful. Can you say amen? So you just put down your, your, that company name there and make sure your phone number's on there so we can call you and we can follow up and we can make all those things happen. Donations of medicine, medical supplies, donations of flip-flops for the children, little beanie baby toys, toothbrushes and toothpaste, all kinds of things, things that you would think are menial here in the United States are prized possessions for these folks in the Dominican Republic. Every year we take a 40-foot container down to the Dominican Republic and we fill that 40-foot container up. What's a 40-foot container? Think of a semi going down the road. We fill that thing up all the way up to the top and all the way to the back and we ship it to the Dominican Republic and then during our clinics we give these things out to the people in every village that we're in and every clinic that we conduct. We give the flip-flops, the toothbrushes and clothes and items. We had one kid one year who, and, and this was, our, I think it was our first year, wasn't it, honey, when we were handing out the underwear? Yeah, the first year. The kid, they, we noticed, we noticed in some of the villages, the children had no clothes on. We just kind of noticed that. And, 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 and I, I thought, you know, man, this is a hygiene problem. These kids are sitting in the dirt without any underwear on. And, and I mean, we're talking five, six, seven-year-old children. And so I just asked our people to gather as much 
underwear together, uh, new, new underwear packaged, and to bring it, and we would hand it out to these kids. And this one kid, he came up in line, and I was watching him, and, and Justin Ulrich, he was uh, uh, there with the sword, the, the pastor at the pastor's conference. He's, he's handing, handing these, this underwear out to the kids. And this one little boy came up, and he's just standing there. He's just naked, you know. He's just standing there. He's waiting for his gift. And Justin gave him a pair of Spider-Man underwear. And he put them Spider-Man underwear on, and the big old smile came over his face, and he just, like he was all that, you know, because now he's got Spider-Man underwear on. So, you know, think of it. These folks have nothing, anything that you can help us with. We ship the container out of Detroit, Michigan, and if you want to be involved in supplying medical supplies, medicine, or any of these other items, that can help the people in the Dominican Republic. You let us know, let your pastor know, and we'll make sure you get hooked up so that we can get all that into the container in Novi, Michigan, before it ships out on the 15th of May. Praise God. Well, let's get into the word this morning. How's that? I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 21, if you would. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 19. Let's start at Genesis 1. No, Acts, Acts chapter 19, if you would, verse 21. This morning, I really want to share with you a word that will encourage your hearts. I, I lived in the Detroit area for 20 years, well, all my life, and uh, until about eight years ago, when we, nine years ago, when we moved south to Fort Myers, Florida. But while I pastored for 20 years, it was interesting to see how, how our society was going and how the economy was going here in Michigan. We left Michigan just as the economy started to wane. And now things are really desperate here. We went through some areas just a few days ago in Elkhart, Indiana, where they make all the RVs and all the... And like 30% of that entire town is out of, bu- out of business. They're out of work. They're... They're hurting terribly. And you can drive into that area, and you can feel the oppression. And the people are so depressed because of their state, uh, the state uh, that they're in, the economy, and, and, and everything that's taking place. And, and I just want to speak a word of encouragement into your hearts today. I don't know how many of you are going through a struggle. I don't know how many of you are going through a difficult time. But I prayed and prayed and prayed, and I'm like, God, which, what, what, what do you want me to preach? What do you want me to share with these folks today? And I, and I was vacillating between three different messages, and God just brought me back to this one that would help you to have strength in your heart and your life and in your faith and build your faith to meet the challenges of the day. How many of you need strength to meet the challenges of the day? I mean, I don't know about you, but we've had some challenges in our ministry. We've run into some challenges along the path that God has taken us. And this morning, I want to share with you a few words from the Apostle Paul, four mental models that made him successful in everything that he did. Four mental models, I, I would say, they're, 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 they're four statements that made the Apostle Paul an overcomer, that made him successful in Christ Jesus. You see, your mental models will determine how far you go in life. This is, this is not mind over matter. It's not Middle Eastern theology. It's, it's the Word of God that changes a person's life as you put on the mind of Christ. You see, in, in Philippians 2.5, God said, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And then in 1 Corinthians 2.16, Paul said, but we have the mind of Christ. Say the mind of Christ. You see, when we have the mind of Christ, our Adamic, 
Adamic human logic and understanding dissolves as faith takes over and you begin to believe in the impossible just because God said so. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the angel of the Lord, came down and told her that you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And she thought, wow, how in the world could this happen? Because I've not known a man. Things haven't taken place for me to really be able to give birth. Yet the angel, and she took that, and she believed the word of the Lord just because God said so. Church, we need to get back to the place where we believe in this book just because God said so. We believe in it, and we apply it to our lives. So your mental models will determine several things. How far you will go in life, and it will determine the contributions that you will make to the kingdom of God. And I'm not always talking about finances here either. Neither is God. You see what it says here in Acts chapter 19, verse 21. Let me read to you. It says, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. I must also see Rome. The first mental model, the first statement of the Apostle Paul that made him an overcomer, and everything that he was confronted with, is that word, I must. I must. After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And at first glance, these words don't carry a lot of weight. But if you look a bit closer, friends, one discovers that this is a simple statement that speaks strongly of obligation and responsibility. Literally, a sense of oughtness. And Paul was not afraid of that sense of oughtness and obligation. You see, within the heart and life of every believer today, there is the same sense of oughtness, of obligation, of responsibility. And some of you would say, to what? And I would say to the things which God has called you to do. Things which cannot be merely dismissed by classifying them as little things. For whatever God has called you or willed for you to do will surely have eternal implications and must never be referred to as little. Some people think, when I was pastoring, excuse me, some people thought that, uh, you know, cutting the grass was a small thing. It really was insignificant in the whole sphere of God's God's, God's plan for the church and for the evangelism of Mount Clemens, Michigan, where I pastored. But friends, there is nothing that you do that is insignificant in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Now, friends, if you don't respond when I say something, I think you didn't hear me. So I repeat it again, and a 45-minute message turns into an hour and a half long. Okay, good. We're all on the same page now. Seriously, it doesn't matter what you do. You may clean the bathrooms in the, in the church. You may uh, shovel snow. You may put salt out on the, uh, on, on the sidewalk when it's icy. You may think that the things that you do here for the kingdom of God are insignificant, but they aren't. Well, the pastor's the one that gives the altar call. The pastor's the one that, that brings in the net here every Sunday morning. Sure he is. He stands behind the sacred desk, and he speaks the word of God into your life. He encourages you. He challenges you. He, he sometimes chastises you, but yet he's the one that... No, everything that he does up here is the result of everybody out there doing what God has called you to do. There is no insignificant jobs or positions in the kingdom of God. And everybody said. Paul was committed to going to Rome. The imperative, the obligation, the oughtness, the responsibility. So let me ask you this morning, friends. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? What has God put in your hearts to do for him? 
You see, you are one of his chosen. You're redeemed by his blood. His hand is upon your life. And you have a purpose in this life. Paul learned this from Jesus himself, who was never in question about his mission. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. In Luke 4, 43, Jesus described that business proclaiming, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, because that is why I was sent. Jesus said, I must work while it is yet day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me. I must, I must, I must. You see, Jesus lived with a sense of divine purpose from the manger to the tomb. And Paul caught that same sense of purpose and mission when he declared, I must go to Rome. I must go to Rome. I must, I must, I must. You see, friends, God has called you to make your mark in this world. That's right. To make a significant contribution to the lives of others. And I'm not talking about money here. You see, God has put something in your life. No one is excluded here. God has put something in your life, a gift, a talent. Maybe it is prosperity and wealth. So there is a sense of an I must, of an obligation, of an oughtness, of a responsibility about our lives to make a difference in this world for him and his kingdom, no matter what the cost. We were in Mount Clemens, Michigan for 20 years. We built a wonderful congregation. God built a wonderful congregation. We just went along for the ride. But they became our family. They were our friends. They were close to us. They were people that sat in our houses and and, and, in our house together in our living room, and we prayed with them. We cried together. They were family. And today they still are. And not a Sunday goes by that I don't think of them. Because that's the family that God called me away from to go to a larger family. But I love those people. I miss them. And what I'm saying is that it will cost you to follow the will of God in your life. And if it doesn't cost you something, I question whether or not God spoke it. Don't feel sorry for us. I mean, we miss them, and I get emotional about that. But, but we are in the very center of God's will for our lives. Hallelujah. So you can rejoice with us. But it will cost you to follow the will of God in your life. Somebody say amen. I must, I must, I must, I must increase in my faith. I must believe his word. I must tell my neighbor about Jesus. I must put God first in my life. You see, those who never learn this mental model and apply it to their lives, they live a miserable life and they die with a multitude of regrets. Number two, I can. I can. Say it with me. I can. In Philippians 4.13, Paul declared, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Friends, God has called you to do things that are beyond your natural abilities. I'm involved in a medical ministry, and if I operate on you, you die. This is not my natural ability. It's not my supernatural ability either. Because I went in when they did surgery once. And I, and, I, and I tried to be a part of it, and, and, and through a simple operation, I had to sit down three times. I, I don't do well with blood, okay? It's not, not good. 
But God has called you guys to do things beyond your natural abilities. I'm thinking, God, why did you call me to give direction to Hope International? This is a thing that needs massive amounts of money. It needs uh, uh, administrators extraordinaire. Why didn't you call some, some professional, some great CEO of like a Fortune 500 company, like a, a CEO like the, maybe the director, the CEO, and the, the president of uh, AIG? I know why God didn't call him to do Hope International. It's because he called somebody that had absolutely no clue what he was doing in this area, brought me into a place where I've never been before to do something that I've never done before and to go to a place that I've never gone to before. And now when things happen and they happen right and God blesses and people get saved, I can stand back and say, look what the Lord has done. Kurt Holtis has done none of this. It's been God. You see, God has called you to do things that are beyond your natural abilities. Too many of you have told yourselves you can't when God has said that you can. There isn't anything that you can't do if God has spoken it to you. For when God calls you, he blesses you, he anoints you, he empowers you, and those words, I can't, should never, ever come from your lips. Ten years before I left the church, God spoke to us, actually it was just a few years after we went to the church, that God spoke to us about the Metro Family Center. God told us to buy this old big boy downtown Mount Clemens. I said, I, God, what are we going to do with this? And he said, I want you to minister to the needy, the homeless, the helpless, the people in the community that have nothing, that have no hope. I want you to do, and, and I thought, how in the world are we going to buy this building? We don't even have a church of our own. We didn't even have our own building. And so I just set it aside. Every time we would go by that building, my wife would nag me. I mean, she would say something to me. And she would say, go and talk to the owner of that building. And I told her, I said, honey, I've gone and spoken with him. And he said he will not sell it to us. He will not talk to us. And she said, you got to go back to him and talk to him again. And so we would actually go by that facility every time we went to church. And we were meeting at the YMCA building, which was just right around the corner from the, the big boy. That was closed down, boarded up for 10 years. And every time we went by, she would say something to me. Finally, I'm telling you what, persistence, right? Persistence. Finally, I listened to what she said. You know what, gentlemen? We need to understand that our wives are more than just a pretty thing on our arm. That God has given them an, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that we don't often have. And it would do us well to get rid of our male Neanderthal way of thinking that they are just showpieces on our arms and understand that if we listen to them when God speaks through them to us, that we would be better off. And every man said, it's the truth. And I finally listened to her, and I went, and I spoke with him, and he said, yes, he'd sell it to us. And we bought that building, and everybody said, there's no way that you can buy that building and renovate it and do what you're talking about. We bought the building with no money. That's a miracle. We raised $400,000 in finances, labor, and material from the business people in the community. That's a miracle. The mayor stood up against us, front page, Detroit News. And God still gave us the building. And then 
when we got done nine months later renovating it to feed the homeless and to help the needy and to speak into the lives of the poor people in the hood, that Governor Engler came and was a part of our grand opening. That's a miracle. And in the last eight years of our ministry at Metropolitan Tabernacle, through all the programs of feeding the, the homeless, having Saturday Sunday school for hundreds of children, having Friday night youth programs, having Tuesday night programs where we would actually help people understand uh, how they can be free from drugs and tobacco and alcohol in their lives, and after school programs for the children, then we had 12 computers. The kids would come home from school, go right by our facility to go into the hood where they lived, and they would stop at our facility, and they would sit down and learn how to read and write. We had fourth graders learn how to read and write on our computers. After eight years, our last eight years of ministry there, we saw over 6,000 people come to know Christ as their Savior through the ministry of the Metro Family Center. You see, this is something that everyone said, you can't do this. But you know, when God puts a seed in your heart, when God speaks something into your life, you just can't shove it to the side of your life. You just can't kick it into the ditch. You, it's there, and it's, and, it's, and it's kind of germinating in your life, and, and, and you, you, you don't know what to do with it, but yet God has placed something in your life. And when people say you can't, and God has said you can you need to turn a deaf ear to those who say you can't. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? I can traverse the valleys. I can sail across the sea. I can climb the mountains. I can literally turn back the forces of hell. I can, I can, I can because of him who strengthens me. I must, I can. Say it with me. I must, I can. Some of you this morning are saying, but you don't understand what I'm going through. My husband just lost his job. My wife, my husband has left me. My children won't come to church. My spouse is backslidden. And I just can't do this anymore. Yes, you can. Because of him who strengthens you. Remember when Jesus told his disciples, as my father sent me, so send I you. And they were all saying in their hearts, how can we do this without Jesus going with us? And Jesus knew what they were saying. He understood. That's when he went like this. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That's how you can. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit says the Lord. You see, under the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord, like Samson of old, God will give you all the strength so you can do all the things that he has called you to do. I must, I can. In Mark chapter 9, the father of the possessed boy came to Jesus, and he said, oftentimes my son casts himself into the fire and into the waters to destroy himself. If you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus replied by saying this, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I can, I can, I can, because I believe in him. Now, I'm a black and white preacher. Let me explain what that means. I don't see any gray areas in God's word. The Bible says you're either for me or you're against me. Amen? So I don't see any gray areas in God's word. I'm pretty cut and dry there. 
But I, I need to say that to preface what I'm about to say. I believe the church has spent so much time talking about preaching about what we can't and we shouldn't do that we have not given proper consideration to that which we can and we should do through him who strengthens us. Somebody say amen. Number three, I will. Say it with me. Let's do a review. I must, I can, I will. Say it with me. I must, I can, I will. In Acts chapter 18, verse 6, when the Jews opposed, opposed Paul and became abusive with him, he said this to them. He said, your blood be on your own heads. I'm clear of my responsibilities. Now I will go to the Gentiles. Instead of quitting, Paul said, I will go to the Gentiles. You see, what happened is, is God changed his direction of ministry. God said, I don't want you to go into the Jews. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Paul wanted to go to the Jews. He wanted to minister to the Jews, but God said, no, I'm not going to send you there. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Now, listen, I pastored for 20 years a great group of people, but I would have people from time to time come to me as a pastor and say, Pastor, I feel God wants me to do this. Or I don't think that person should lead worship anymore. I think God wants me to. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. And then I had some people that came and said, you know, I, I really feel like God's leading me in this direction, and I, and I feel like God wants me to do this. And, I, and I'd say to them, you know what, I, I, I sense that something's happening there too, but there needs to be some preparation time. There needs to be some testing time. And, and, and you need to go through a process before you can actually reach this goal. There are no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? If there were a shortcut, then he, God wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross for you. He would have taken the shortcut. But your redemption required blood, the blood of a sinless, sacrificial lamb. There are no shortcuts. Sometimes people would get mad at me. They said, well, if I can't do this, I'm going to leave the church and I'm going to go down to the church down the road and do it. Are you hearing me, church? Listen, God has set your pastor here as a leader and a shepherd over you. I just feel that I need to say this this morning. There are going to be times when you're going to say, Pastor, I feel this or I feel that. And really, the Bible tells you that you must submit to your leaders that God has put in authority over you. They watch over your souls. He's one that must give account for your life, how he pastors you. Have the heart and the spirit of the Apostle Paul, not like others that says, if I can't do what I want to do, then I'm going to take my toys and go to another church. Is this harsh? Have the spirit of the Apostle Paul that says, God, if you want me to go to the Gentiles instead of going to the Jews, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Can you say amen? That's the heart and spirit that prevails in a church that's knocking down the gates of hell for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Paul said, I will go to the Gentiles. Listen, all human achievement pivots on the human will. All human achievement pivots on the human will. You need to have more than a sense of obligation, and I must. You've got to have more than an I can. You must be able to say, I will. You see, we're not always responsible for the circumstances, our circumstances, but we are responsible for the way we respond to those circumstances. 
Men will try to stop you from serving God, but you must stand up and respond by saying, I will serve the Lord. I will honor my God. I will worship him. I will obey him. I will believe in him. I will trust in him. Someone once said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You see, humanity's problem is that we're always planning to do it. You know, go to prayer meeting. We're always planning to serve him. You know, get involved in ministry. We're always planning to surrender to him. You know, that pet sin that nobody else knows about. We're always planning to live for him. You know, give our lives to him someday. And we're like the five frogs sitting on the log. They all said, let's jump into the pond. So how many frogs were in the pond? None. Because they all just sat there and did nothing about it. Listen, friends, if you don't understand anything else that I say, please hear this. Your intentions, you're planning to do, you're planning to say, I must, I can, will never accomplish much without the I will of your heart, mind, and spirit. Let me say that again. Your intentions, you're planning to do, you're planning to say, I must, I can, will not accomplish much without the I will of your heart, mind, and spirit. Don't just talk about serving him, serve him. Don't just talk about getting involved in ministry, get involved. Don't just talk about surrendering your life to him someday, surrender today. For this demands a deliberate, decisive choice of your will, and nobody can make up your will for you. You must make up your mind that you are going to do it and then do it. The prodigal son was in pig swallower, and this is what he said. I will arise and go to my father. Church, he didn't just talk about it. He did it. Paul said, I will be obedient to the heavenly vision. And he took Europe and Asia, two continents, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Martin Luther said, I will live by faith. As he nailed 95 theses to that church door that literally shook the world with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. John Wesley said, I will be holy. And the fire of the Holy Ghost purged and purified the Methodist church. And revival swept through the ranks. Listen, church, God is looking for people today who will say, I will believe for my family. I will believe for our church. I will believe for our community. I will seek him. I will get closer to him. I will be holy. I will give to missions. I will pray for my leadership. I will do whatever God has called me to do and then does it. If you put on the mind of Christ this morning and declare, I must, I can, I will. Say it with me. I must, I can, I will. I want this to get into your heart and spirit this morning. If you will put on the mind of Christ this morning and say, I must, I can, I will, then you will be able to say, like the Apostle Paul at the end of life's journey, I have. I have. You know what I'm talking about. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Man, that's a message in itself. But if you'll live your life proclaiming, I must, I can, I will, there will never be any regrets in your life. You will have fulfilled God's plan and purpose in your life. Like the Apostle Paul, you'll be able to say, I'm not afraid to face him at the end of life's journey because I have glorified his name in my life. You'll be able to say, my life has been lived for his glory and honor. My 
faith has risen to meet every challenge. My trust has not wavered in the midst of trials, and my confidence has been sure with every question confronted. But only those who have put on the mind of Christ and have lived their life declaring, I must, I can, I will, will be able to say at the end of life's journey without any regrets, I have. I have lived my life for God. I have given him my all. I have fulfilled his purpose in my life. I have trusted him in everything. I have told others about his love. I have overcome every obstacle of the enemy. Well, let's put this little formula to a test this morning. I must, I can, I will, I have. Say it with me. I must, I can, I will, I have. It's not a recipe I got from Martha Stewart. This is from the Word of God. These are words that made the Apostle Paul victorious with every situation he was confronted with. How about in the aspect of living for God? I must live for God. I can live for God. I will live for God. I have lived for God. You see, it works, church. I must be holy. I can be holy. I will be holy. I have been holy. I must forgive. I can forgive. I will forgive. I have forgiven. I must not give up. I cannot give up. I will not give up. I have not given up. I must overcome. I can overcome. I will overcome. I have overcome. You see, it's the words of the Apostle Paul, the word of the Lord, that really makes us victorious with everything that the enemy throws in our path today in life's journey. What has he put in your path? What has he called you to do for him? You think it's impossible? No, it's not impossible. Preaching A preacher leading a medical ministry Always wanted to be a surgeon. Obviously, God wanted me to operate on the heart through words instead of tools. What does God put in your heart to do for him? Some of you may be thinking it's going to take a miracle to take place. To become a reality, it'll take a, a miracle. I'm here to tell you, that we serve the God of miracles today. I want to close just by sharing a, a, a story about my son. My son was uh, three years old, two and a half, two and a half, hon? Three and a half, three and a half years old. I always get this mixed up. He was a little guy. And uh, I was watching... Pastor Ben with his boy yesterday, and man, that brought back memories. Good memories. My boy was three and a half years old when uh, he he had these uh, he had these uh, uh, blue jeans that you know before they had that stretch blue jean material that I mean really were too small for him, but he loved them, and he would squeeze into those things, kind of like some of you gals, you know, you lay down on the back of the, on the bed, you know, and just kind of like. Is that no I seen you do that, hon now. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> but Jeremy loved these uh these uh these pants. And he'd wear them all the time. I mean he'd wear them to bed if you'd let him. Jeremy started uh, losing a lot of weight. 
We didn't understand what was happening with him, and he would get up in the morning, and he'd sit on the edge of his bed like this, and he'd hold his knees, and he'd hold his elbows, and his, and, he, and, and he'd cry. He'd say, I hurt, I hurt. So we took him to the doctor and said, Doc, what, what, what is, what's going on with our boy? The doctor said, oh, he's just got growing pains. And I'm thinking, what? Well, he started losing a lot of weight. And for a little three-and-a-half-year-old, it's, you know, just a little tyke. Uh, Jeremiah is uh, Jeremiah John. That, that's, that's his name. Jeremiah, he started losing a lot of weight and a uh, significant amount of weight. So now those pants that he used to be skin tight on him, we could have him buttoned and grab a hold of his pant legs and pull him right down over his hips. That's how much weight he lost. So we started looking at everything possible that we could to try to find out what was wrong with my little guy. And one day we found blood in his in, in the toilet. We uh, got him to the doctor, and the doctor immediately scheduled some tests for him, tests that were very uncomfortable for a little three-and-a-half-year-old 20-some years ago, 25 years ago. Think of it. And uh, we took him down to the University of Michigan Hospital in Ann Arbor where think one of the only two pediatric gastroenterologists in this area of the country were. And they put Jeremiah through some tests. Jeremiah was so, his body was so emaciated and so weak that he couldn't walk. He couldn't, he couldn't eat anything. And um, I had to pick him up out of the back of the, the, the station wagon and carry him in like a little dead man. My wife said, I can't go in there. You go in and you, you pray over him. Pray over him before they do the test because it's a very uncomfortable test for a little guy, much less an adult. And uh, so I prayed over him as they were getting the IV going and they were giving him a, 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 a medication to, to try to help put him to sleep. And, uh, and they said he wouldn't remember anything that took place during the test because it's quite uncomfortable at that time. And uh, I just prayed over him. I said, God, let your angels surround Jeremiah. May they surround him and may they give him strength. And I pray, God, that as your angels do so, that he won't remember any of this test. Lord, I thank you for your presence and for the angels that surround him now. And, and I looked down and Jeremy was out. I walked out of the room and about three and a half hours later, the doctor came in to us and he said, um, Jeremiah's out of the procedure. He's doing well. He's in recovery. You can go and see him. So we went into recovery, my, my wife and I, and we walked in there, and, and, and Jeremy's laying there. Uh, you know, he's all groggy and everything from all the medicine. And I went up and I said, how you doing, buddy? Because that was my name for my, my little boy. So how you doing, buddy? Fine, Dad. And I said, son, what's the last thing that you remember before you went to sleep? He said, dad, angels, angels everywhere. And that just brought such comfort to my heart because God heard my prayers. God heard our prayers to surround my little boy with his angels that day and keep him safe and protected. Well, after we got done talking with Jeremy for a few moments, we, we stepped out of the room and the doctor asked us to step into another room. And we walked into another room and he said, I'd like you to have a seat. 
like, what is going on here? And the doctor says, I have some disturbing news for you. He said to me, my wife, he said, you could knock me over with a feather right now, but our tests are positive, and I'm sorry to inform you that your son has Crohn's disease. Thinking, Crohn's disease? What's, what's that? And uh, the doctor showed me pictures of Jeremy's colon, the inside of Jeremy, and uh, it looked like somebody had taken a shotgun and just blown the walls of his digestive system apart from the inside out. And I said, well, what does this all mean? And he said, well, Crohn's disease is a, is a, is a progressive deterioration of the entire digestive system from one end to the other. He says, and what happens is, is that the inside of the digestive system becomes ulcerated and uh, there is no way to cure Crohn's. So we have to go in and surgically remove those portions of his digestive system and then reattach them again. He said, normally this happens to a person that's usually up in their 40s or 50s, something like that. But your son is three and a half years old. So you need to understand what is before you and your wife and your son. I said, what? And he said, well, he said, your son will be going in and out of the hospital for the rest of his life, having sections of his digestive system removed and reattached. Sooner or later, there'll be no digestive system left, and we'll have to force feed him, we'll have to put a feeding tube in him. And uh, because of your son's age, he most likely will not live to see his 16th birthday. What do you do with that? What do you do with that when the doctor says there's no hope that your boy's going to die? I said, isn't there a medicine or anything that you can give him? She said, really, there's nothing that we can do to cure the Crohn's. We can treat the symptoms, but we can't cure them. And my wife and I walked out of there with my son in my arms, and we were devastated. We're in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Fajola is just down the road. Our, our, our camp down, our church camp for the Assemblies of God is right there in Jackson, Michigan. And family camp had just started. And I said to my wife, I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go down to family camp. We're taking Jeremy down there right now. And we're going to pray over him. And she said, well, what are you, you're just going to walk through the back door and, 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 and interrupt the services? I said, you bet. You know what, church? You can do anything that you think you need to do when you need a miracle of God. There is absolutely nothing that will stand in your way from saving your son and your daughter's life. When you have a desperate need from God and you need a miracle from God, there isn't anything that's going to stop you. It's like that woman with the issue of blood. She had spent all of her money. She had spent everything she had on doctors trying to be cured, and nobody could help her. But then she heard of a man. And she got on her hands and knees and she said, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm going to set aside my foolish pride and I'm going to crawl through between the legs of people and the dust and the dirt and I'm going to get to the hem of his garment. Nothing's going to stop me. Nothing should stop you from touching the hem of his garment. So we went in there and I said, we're walking. She said, well, what are we going to do? 
and, 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 and she said, I, I'll, I'm, we're going to walk right down the middle of the aisle, and I'm going to go right up, and I'm going to ask Brother Frick if he'll pray for Jeremy. And she said, I'm right behind you. And literally, she walked behind me. <laughs> she said, I'm not going in front of you. I had Jeremy in my arms like this, and I walked down, and I'm standing before the pulpit, and, and, and Brother Frick, just a wonderful man of God, he's standing there, a stately man, tremendous superintendent. He's standing there, and he's trying to ignore me. He has no clue what I'm doing there. Got my son in my arm, my, my, my wife right next to me. And, and, and finally, he looks down as if to say, what? And I said, Brother Frick, I just came from the U of M hospital in Ann Arbor. And the doctors have told us that Jeremy's going to die. We have prayed for him. We have the people pray for him. And there was probably a thousand people there that night. And they all, I mean, that man of God had everybody come down and surround. Everybody in that place poured out of their seats and surrounded Jeremiah and my wife and I and laid hands on us and began to pray and, and fervently. And I thought, man, if there's ever two or three together agreeing as to touching any one thing, it's now, it's here. And if ever God was going to do a, a miracle because of the faith that was displayed, God is going to do it right here and now. And I expected Jeremy to jump out of my arms and run out and leaping, jumping and praising God. But you know what, friends, after they got done praying, Jeremy was still in my arms the way we walked in. And we walked out of there and we said, we have to determine one of two things. If we're going to believe this book or not, what are we going to do here? And so my wife and I, we determined that we're going to believe this book. We're going to believe what God has said. We're not going to believe the circumstances. We're not going to trust in the economy. We're not going to trust in our employer. We're not going to trust in the doctors. We're going to put our faith and trust in the one who made us and formed us and breathed into us the breath of life. And so we just prayed and we just believed. And for a while we didn't see any real improvement and then Jeremiah started to improve and improve and improve. Started to doing better, doing better. And uh, we took him back to the doctors. Let me tell you something, church. This October, my son will turn 29 years old. He's never been in the hospital for Crohn's. He's never had an operation for Crohn's. And they have tested him and they have found no Crohn's in my son's body. God has healed him totally. 100%. He is whole because of the blood of the Lamb, because of Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know what you're going through today, but I just sense and I just feel that several of you are going through some serious situations. And it may be the economy. It may be relationships. It may be, mar it may be family. It may be physical. But there are things that are happening in the lives of many of you here this morning. And really, I vacillated between preaching this message and another message. And I couldn't get away from this. And I know why, because God wants to do a miracle in your life today. I don't think you got out of bed this morning and said, I'm going to go to Gateway and just have the same old, same old today. 
I hope you got out of bed saying, I'm going to church today and I'm going to see what God's going to do in my life. I'm going to see what he's going to speak to my heart about. And this morning, what he wants to do is he wants to encourage your hearts today that the same God that raised the dead and that made the blind to see and the lame to walk in the Old Testament is the same God that touched my son and healed him of Crohn's. He's the same God that is here today, ready to touch you and to meet your needs. Believe that. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. God did many miracles, physical miracles in our clinics last year. He's here this morning, and he wants to do a miracle in your life too. So I'm not going to ask you to bow your head or close your eyes this morning because we are family here, amen? And when one part of the family hurts, the whole family hurts. Can you say amen? When one rejoices, we all rejoice. So this morning, without anybody bowing their head or closing their eyes or any of that, I'm just going to ask you, do you need a miracle in your life or the life of a family member today? Do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle in your life or the life of a family member? And on the count of three, if that's you, if you're willing to set your pride aside, not one to worry about what people may think, you're willing to be like that woman with the issue of blood, I believe that God's willing to do something today supernatural. I believe that. So on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Don't hesitate. Don't look to the right, to the left. It's just you and Jesus. One, two, three. If that's you, stand to your feet. You need a miracle from God? Stand to your feet wherever you are. Yes, 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 yes. Amen, amen. Now I'm going to ask this. How many of you know that scripture that tells us in the word of God that the enemy is under our feet? Isn't that where he is? Now if the enemy is under our feet, listen to me. That means that today we could walk these aisles up to this altar and it would be a victory march. And we would be trampling on the head of the enemy once again. Can you say amen? He does not like what you are about to do right now. You're responding by faith. And believing that God is going to do something supernatural in your life. And Satan does not like that. But I believe that God wants to make a public spectacle out of him once again. Can you say amen? So this morning we're going to have a victory march. And those of you that are standing, and maybe you haven't stood, but you need, you need to. You need a miracle in your life. This is your chance. I'm going to ask every one of you that are standing on the count of three to step out of your seats and take a victory march down to this altar. And we're going to pray and believe God together for your miracle. Are you ready? Are you ready? One, two, three. Come on down. Come on down. If that's you, come on down. We're going to believe. We're going to believe God for the supernatural this morning. Come on. We're believing God. For the impossible. Now say it with me. I must, I can, I will, I have. Now say this again. I must have a miracle. I can have a miracle. I will have a miracle. I have had a miracle. 
I believe these words of the Apostle Paul, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the one that spoke it into Paul's life, the one that put it in this word that became flesh and dwelt among us, I believe in this word. I believe in this. I believe in it. Do you believe in it this morning? That's why you're here at this altar. You're believing God for the supernatural power of God to do something miraculous in your life. I want you to just raise your hands to the Lord. Everyone, let's pray. Those of you that are on a prayer team, come on down and and pray with, with these folks. Get behind them and lay hands on them this morning. Just step out of your seats and come on down. Father God, we believe, Lord God, right now in your supernatural power to do that which we cannot do for ourselves, God. That's which we cannot affect in our own abilities, Lord God, on our own actions or words, God. Lord, this morning, God, we need supernatural power to flow through our bodies, to flow through our lives to flow through our families today, God. We need a miracle from you, God. And you said, Lord God, that if we had need of anything, that God, we just need to come and ask you, Lord God. Today we are asking, God, for you to do the miraculous in the midst of our situation, God. For those, Lord, that are going through financial struggles, Lord, we're asking God for supernatural provision for their lives. For those that are going through struggles, Lord, with their physical needs, Lord God, I ask, Lord, that your healing power and virtues would flow through them today, Lord God. We're asking, Lord God, for family members, Lord God, for relationships to be restored, oh God. By your power, God, I pray, Lord, that you would go in and become the Lord of that situation, Lord God, and that they wouldn't be looking to one another, Father, for answers, but they'd be looking to you, God, to resolve and to restore those situations in the families, God. Relationships between husbands and wives, relationships between children and children, relationships between brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we ask for restoration right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. We're praying, God, and we're believing you for the impossible, God, because we must have a miracle. We can have a miracle. We will have a miracle, and we have had our miracle. God, we believe you today, God, above all the circumstances that surround us. God, above and beyond the stock market, above and beyond what the doctors say, God, above and beyond the obstinance of of, of friends that used to be close to us or or, uh, loved ones that used to be close to us. God, we believe you to do something miraculous right now in the midst of every one of these situations God by your mighty power by your anointing by your word by your spirit oh God do it once again God display yourself in your power in your majesty in our midst oh God I pray God we thank you today Lord we thank you today. We thank you today, O oh God. God, we believe in you today, Lord God, to do the miraculous. Thank you, God, for touching our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for meeting our needs. Thank you, God, for doing the impossible. We believe in the God of the impossible today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, we don't understand it, but we believe it today. 
We may not understand it all, but we believe it all. We believe in you, God. There is none like you, O God. Your mercy and your grace and your love towards us. They're insurpassable. Magnificent. And we magnify you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We magnify you today, oh God. Would you just magnify him right now? Wherever you are, that means make God bigger. That means worship him. Raise your hands and your voices. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, oh God. We magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Look up here for a second, if you would, wherever you are. Listen to this. I'm going to close with this. I just want you to understand this. That when my wife and I were standing before that altar at Fahola, and Brother Frick was praying over us, and all those people were praying over us telling you what the feeling of what was taking place there was just absolutely magnificent magnificent but we didn't feel that anything happened we didn't feel that anything happened we had no clue that God had touched my son we had no clue this morning you may have been standing at this altar And you didn't have any waves of emotion. You didn't have any streams of tears coming down your face. But let me tell you something, friends. You're not saved by feelings. You're saved through faith. I said, say faith. Faith. It's faith in the one who lived and died and gave himself for you. It's faith in the one who rose again from the dead. It's faith in the one who ascended to the right hand of the Father and who makes intercession for us daily. It's faith in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Not feelings that changes you. It's not feelings that gives you the miracle. It's not feelings that sets you free. And it's not feelings that answers your prayer. It's faith. Hallelujah. And faith is only as valid as the object you put it into. That means if you have faith in me, I will let you down. But if you have faith in him, he will never let you down. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. And we thank you for your provision. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said. Listen, friends, once again, what is it? I must, I can, I will, I have. Say it one more time. I must, I can, I will, I have. I pray you never forget those words. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Kurt, for challenging us today. God is good.
is good. We want to do something this morning to be a blessing to Kurt, to Debbie, and to Hope International. And, uh, you know, I just sense in my spirit that, uh, that we need 100% participation this morning from even the young folks, for those that came, maybe you've never given an extra offering before to do something, something small, something significant. God will put that on your heart. This morning I was uh, filling out a check, and we put, we put it in our budget. We bring in missionaries once a month, and, and so we, we have a kind of a standard gift that we give, and, uh, and it's a part of our budget. I think that's good you know, to budget ahead and to be able to do that. And as I was sitting there this morning, just praying, and and uh, and uh, I added, uh, I doubled it basically, and uh, and just because you know, sitting with you and Debbie last night, and taking you home last night, and just I couldn't fall asleep last night, just uh, dreaming about you know what you guys are doing and uh, the Dominican and and your influence, and um, I just I just sense that we are having connections here. That even that today, some uh, some of you that are here uh, will end up, uh, you know, serving alongside Kurt and Debbie at some point, uh, maybe even this year, and uh, just excited about that. And you know, I want to be about uh, planting good seed, <laughs> and uh, and I just I just feel like this is a wonderful opportunity for us to get behind you, and uh, and so you know, forgive uh, if this sounds corny, but. I must give today. <laughs> I can give today. I will give. And I will say I have given today. And I'd like that for each of us. And uh, there are offering envelopes in the back and uh, that you can grab to fill out, to participate. If you're here today saying, well, I don't, I don't have any way to do that today, um, you could uh, give a, a promise, write it down, do something, and, and follow through this week, and we'll make sure those funds uh, get to Hope International. And, uh, and I know God will honor uh, the smallest to the largest gift today. But I think together we can make an impact and, uh, and really bless this couple and uh, what they're doing uh, all over the world, really. Let's pray. Father, as you are working on our hearts, God, and you are providing opportunity, and God, you are speaking, you are moving, and Lord, you are meeting our every need physically, financially, relationally. God, this is an opportunity for us to, to sow into very fertile soil. Thank you for Kurt and Debbie and for their ministry and their hearts and the love they have for people. And God, I just thank you, Lord, that you have directed them here for us to connect with them. And God, I just pray right now that you would speak to each one, God, that there would be 100% participation Lord, in this offering, not for offering's sake, but God, for your glory, for your honor. And God, I just pray that you would meet every need according to your riches and your glory. God, I just know, Lord, as we take a step of faith and invest, Lord, that you will bring it back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. God, I just thank you. We praise you. 
In Jesus' wonderful name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Ushers, why don't you come?